All right, ladies and gentlemen, a pleasant good afternoon to friends and family back in the beautiful island of Jamaica and also in the United States and all the track and field fans. We're just really, really, uh, I use the same term, I'm really, really excited to come to another special episode because I am here today with um, two of my former teammates. Uh, we went to Sydney at the Olympics together. We have been to so much track meet together. And this is gonna be um, an unscript, real talk conversation with Ian. And I'm pleased to say that my uh, special guest, star co-host, you guys have seen him on the program before. It's no other than Dr. Greg Horton that is lending, uh, borrowing some, some, some quality time <laughs> to share some of his knowledge with, with, with Ian. And Ian, just to let you guys know that Mr. Ian Thomas, um, people technical difficulty, he won't be here this week. So um, we will see him soon. And, um, you know, so no worries. We have a, a super, super, super guest for you today, so, and it's no other than Greg Horton, but Dr. Greg Horton. But before we get into the program, guys, as I said, special welcome, um, big shout out on the Dr. Martin Luther King holiday. Um, we know that Dr. King has mean a lot to so many of us, and we just, I just want to take the time and, um, you know, as we talk um, during the show, you know, as I said, just want to recognize Dr. King. So before um, we get into the program, I'm going to ask Dr. Greg Horton, um, he's from Horton Mentoring Group, to introduce himself um, beautifully with a nice, quick, short version of himself. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. It's a pleasure to be on the program again. Uh, for those who don't know me personally, I'm Dr. Gregory Horton, three-time Olympic medalist and world champion in track and field. I am also the founder and president for Horton Mentoring Group and it is a pleasure to be here this evening talking to a good friend of mine, Michael Blackwood. You know, we the good thing about us is that the 400 meters, the 400 meter runners for Jamaica, even though we were competing against each other, there was always a certain amount of love between us. You know, we want the best for each other. So it is a pleasure to see and talk to my good friend, Michael Blackwood. I am so happy to see him today. And I know he has a lot to share. And I have some inside information too that I'll ask him because these are some of the things that I too wanted to know. And I think it would help young minds out there who aspire to be great that things that worthwhile don't always come easy. So Michael is going to express to you and tell you what it takes to be a champion because those who know his story know that he, he worked hard, he was disciplined, he was dedicated. He had a mind that only few 400 meter runners in Jamaica have. He had determination, he had the will, and it is a pleasure to see you this evening, Mr. Blackwood. Thank you, guys. Thank you, my teammate, for having me tonight. It's a pleasure for, for me to be here to share my story with everyone. <laughs> All right. So, guys, um, just to give you a little summary of Michael Blackwood, um, of his accomplishment, um, you know, he has competed in, in three, three Olympics for Jamaica. 
2000, 2004, 2008. Um, he was an NCA. Uh, get me wrong. He was a Big 12 champion um, down at the University of Oklahoma. Um, he's also um, from the parish of Clarendon. You know, and um, you know he's gonna tell you some things, some secrets about you guys may not know him because he's a very humble guy. He, um, you know, he he's low profile, and you guys you're gonna hear a lot more and learn a lot more about him. I'm so happy that he take the time out to come on this program. You know, because um, I know that the goal of this program is to inspire, motivate, and to educate. And we got two um, Olympian on here tonight that has actually lived a real life story and you know anytime you could get well we got three olympian <laughs> <laughs> you know so um you know out of i am the one-time olympian and um so you know but i'm very happy to for my accomplishment you know but you know for us it's a lot more family because we competed um from high school college and professionally you know, we're all around the same age group, so we we pretty much know each other. And um, you know, I'm I'm proud to say Blackwood is also um, a coach and an educator right now. Um, you know, you know, and he'll tell you a little bit about that. So let's get in the program because we know that we want to use as much time to get the information out. So guys, as usual, we want to go back from the grassroots um, from Michael Blackwood. We want to know where everything all started. We know that he's from Clarendon. We know that, look, he have an older sister that actually was into running before him. So there's a lot, a lot of tradition story in his family. So let's go all the way back, Mr. Blackwood, from, um, tell us a little bit where you're from in Jamaica. Um, the little, the, the, tell us about that great community um, that you're from, and just tell us um, a little bit about um, how what sport did you start doing at a young age? Okay, so um, I'm from um, a district in Portland Cottage, in Clarendon called Portland Cottage, Veer Clarendon. It's a fishing village. Um, if you didn't know, I'm also a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of my secrets that lots of people don't know. Um, but anyway, so um, I come up from humble beginning. Beginning, um, in that district, you know, a lot of fast individual youths grew up in that in that district. I was just like an average kid. Lots of kids ten times faster than me in my district. Lots of youths and will come from my district fall along the wayside you know um i was just lucky enough to advance to where i was but um yes let all me right. tell you a story let me tell you this story like a white start where it all begin um so i'm from portland cottage a couple distance away from es clarendon which is couple miles away from Portland Cottage. Um, so one Saturday, I sat down and there were some activity, activities going on at, at Vier Technical High School. You know, primary championship, 
and uh, I got a brand new bicycle at the time. So I decided to take the bicycle and ride, go all the way to the champ, the primary championship, you know, because I wasn't selected on my team at that time, you know, because I was just, you know, having fun at the time. So I ride my bicycle to Via Technical High School where lots of events is taking place. So, you know, I have on my street clothes and everything and I was watching all the events. So my eyes catch the eye jump event going on. And I said, I can't do that. You know, I'm still wearing my street clothes. So catching was there. Catching was on my sister. She's on the dorm. So I, I went and find Catherine. And I said, I would like to do the eye jumping. I think I can beat those athletes. And she said, really? So she took me to over the, the male dorm to find a, a pair of shots from one of the male athletes. So we put on the shots and enter the event. And we surprised everybody, everyone. We beat everybody and met the team, the, the Clarendon U team as an eye jumper. And so it started so from, a, from a simple ride. No uh, one will know that, that story. Oh, uh, man. Well, sit back, relax one Saturday morning. I said, I'm going to take a ride, you know. I'm going to take a ride out. That ride out changed my life. Because it opened the door for me. Uh, and from that day, I started take the track and field thing serious as an eye jumper. I started out as an eye jumper. I represent the parish of Farringdon as a youth. We never placed too much, too high up in the, um, the championship, the national championship at the national stadium. But at least we get to represent my country. So that's how it all begin from a simple, simple ride out. You know, everyone need to take a chance. You know, just take the leap of faith. Yes. All right. All right. Yeah, man. So that's a one important role my sister played in my life. You know, she's okay. very inspiring. So. I just, as I as the story goes on, as the story progresses, I gotta see how important you come in my life. All right, guys. Well, I just I'm just taking notes for myself. Um, you started out as a high jumper. <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those bike BMX or um, yeah, a, a, a brand new Rambo. You know those mountain bike Rambo. <laughs> they must call them back in the days. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know. <laughs> And I know that you was a tall guy growing up because that's the reason why you probably think that because you're tall, you probably yeah. could do the high jump. Yes, exactly. All right. And um, before that, you know, before um, in pre previous previous years, I used to compete for my primary school, you know. But I, just, I, I realized that I used to take part in the wrong event. I was trying to run a 100 meter. I want okay. to, you know, but I didn't realize that, you know. There's other events out there. Okay. You know, you're young. Yeah. Everyone want to run be a sprinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we we know that um, a lot of athletes have done the, the the wrong event, and and I and I definitely um, before this thing, I, you know, uh, Gregory could um, could 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 give his, his his input on that in terms of um, you know um, you know how how do you know what event you're good at or uh, what event you should choose uh, most times you kind of leave that up to the coach because um you know i know for me i was forced into do the event 
that I was good at, but it was just coming out my comfort zone. I didn't want to come out my comfort zone. So when I look back at it, I was like, man, I wish I was doing this event even earlier before, you know, and, and um, you know, so those are those important. So um, I'm just going to hold it there because, um, you know, I, um, I it's a privilege with you guys and I want to hear, um, bring Dr. Horton in. All right. Thank you, Ian. I, I, I first I want to say that you have a wonderful sister. I think Catherine Scott played a major role in helping some of the young girls doing her time to be motivated. Because I remember when I saw Catherine and Merlene Fraser, you know, they just look different. The way they dress, the way they competed, the way they talk, you could tell that they had the mind of a champion. So. I, I'm not surprised that she was able to influence you. And every time I talk with her, she always have something good to say about you. And I admire that to know that you guys came from humble beginning and you still kept that closeness through thick and thin. But there's something I want to talk to you about because um, last year, 2019, I was in, I went to, to do the Mind of a Champion tour and I was at Veer Technical and I was at Garvey Masia and two other schools in, in Clarendon. And I was talking to the coach and he was saying that they, from Fisherman Village where a lot of the parents um, are, were fishermen and fisherwomen. And because of that, it seemed like the athletes that he was trying to prepare, that they seemed to lack that level of motivation. You know, where I was thinking when I saw them to say, look, this is an opportunity to use track and field to advance yourself. At any point, how did you feel about, you know, being the son of a fisherman and still striving to achieve your best? Was that something that came to mind or were you just doing, just doing, going through the motion like everybody else? Um... As a young kid in my district, you know, I used to juggle lots of different sports. Cricket, football, and street running. Running on the street, competing with other, other guys. Um, but my father instilled in me, like, um, hard work, you know. For example, he teach me about life. My father gave me a test one, one day. And give me some wood for chop up. And me start chop the wood for me. The slimmest point, right? You know how the tree them, mm -hmm. them, them grow from big trunk up mm -hmm. to the top and get bigger. So me start chop, I test him, I test him, you know. Give me a test, my father. So him give me the thing, the cutlass, and tell me to start chop up some wood. So me start chop up the wood from the slimmest point. And he said, no, 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 man, stop. And then teach me a life lesson. He said, start from the biggest part. And a, a, a light bulb clicked in my head. I said, my father tried to teach me something. You know? So when I approach life, you have to approach life from the biggest part of the, of the, of the project. You know, I want to start at the skinny moment, at the skinny mm -hmm. and, and, and that's a very good point to make, you know, Michael, because mm -hmm. a lot of these young athletes that I met at the Garvey Maceo and Veer and so on, 
you could tell that they did not have a male figure who they trust and who could give them good advice. And I think that is one of the things that is affecting our community, the African-American community, not just in America, but also in some of the, the, the developing communities and the inner cities in Jamaica. Tell me how important was it to have a father like your father in your life and how did it really help you to overcome some of the obstacles that you end up face when you went to, to college in the United States? Yeah, man, my father is a role model in my life. He teach me, you know, how to be a man. He take me to see and show me, you know, how life really is. And uh, to be a fisherman, you know, a Wolipa architect, and you know, joking thing. So I take the same attitude on the track, you know. So from those days, I instill in me hard work and discipline and, and dedication. Mm-hmm. And to be a fisherman, really, you have to be focused at sea. Mm-hmm. And I take the same approach in track and field. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you do anything, um, while, while you're not focused on focusing at sea, that you probably don't even come back home. Mm-hmm. So, you have, so. To, you have to maintain the same discipline and focus to the track and field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have two more questions before I turn it over to Ian. You said that you were lucky when you compare yourself with some of the other guys then in your community who had talent. Why did you say that you were lucky? Instead of since you already had the discipline and the dedication, I would say I'm lucky to have my sister. She come back and play again. She was one of them because she involved in the track and field thing, and she guide me. She she guide me along the way to stay focused, you know. And uh, if I stay focused and uh, do my thing in track and field, I'm I I will reap the reward in the future, you know. Yeah. In terms of maybe get a scholarship or something, you know. Okay, my last question before I turn it over to Ian. Mm -hmm. Peer pressure. Growing up in those inner cities, how did you deal with peer pressure? I know you had your father there to guide you. I know you had a sister there to guide you. But were you tempted to do things outside of what were good for you or you just went with the flow? Yeah, I just went to the floor. You know. Um at a country boy in Clarendon at Portland Cottage, there was not too much um what you call it. I was just going through the floor, you know. I just I was just a young kid growing up having fun. I was mo- I was mostly involved in you know playing sports. Lots of different sports. Um so sports keep me occupied, you know. I wasn't like the one who were leading us through or anything like that. Mm. All right, I'll hand you back over to Ian. Yeah. All right, Blackwood. Um, you know, we just... Um... I, I to, uh, say one more thing about Portland Cottage. Portland okay. Cottage have developed a few athletes. Myself, you know, Catherine and Lassina Golden-Clark. Those are three Olympians come from my district. And if you remember Arville Taylor as well. Mm-hmm. Arville Taylor used to be a quarter mile. Yeah, man. I remember. Yeah, man. I'm from Portland Cottage. I grew up you know, in Portland Cottage. All 
right. Oh, so, yeah. so, so tell us, Blackwood, now that we're, we're still in the community, how far is Portland Cottage from um from, 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 beer, from beer Technical? About 50 to 80 miles now. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. That's how far you ride your bicycle. What do you mean? You think I drive? Oh man. Well, you know, as I said, we 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 know that as a, as a, when we're younger, um, you know, I used to ride bicycle. I ride my bicycle from from Montego Bay to Trelawney. Wow. Yes. And, uh, on a Sunday evening, I get out in the evening. I go all the way to the roundabout and turn right back. Um, you know, but at the time, I want to see how far I could ride to. That was the mindset that I have, and um, I just look. I'm gonna make it. Get down there, catching a cramp in my riding the bicycle back home. You know, all kind of stuff. Not even having water. You know, yeah. at the time, just just crazy. So I honestly, yeah, ride for fun. It, it was just fun. I remember you have to ride back home as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a whole lot of riding. Either you guys were just determined, or you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, this is the difference living. You grew up in the in the in the suburb in the country yeah. area, you know, um, you know, because again, in in I know that um, in Kingston it would be hard to ride around the city. I mean, you know, it's it's just not something, um, you know. I seen people always running from the airport on that long stretch of road. Um, that's probably a nice place to run without having any distraction. But um, so let's move along. So Blackwood, um, obviously, your father was a fisherman. You learned to fish. Um, you got um, most times what happened, you know, when you got a family member and you go around them, you kind of, you know, somehow, you know, starting to think about, um, yeah, I what can I do? And you, I'm glad that you find your. Um, just the passion to say, you know what? I want to um, go to Veer Technical or I want to go to the high school. Tell me, how did you actually, well, actually knowing that your sister going to Veer, that's probably the only school you wanted to go at the time. I mean, you know, but, you know, how 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 much running in, in let's move back a little bit, rewind just to the primary school because I just want to move on real fast. So the primary school, um, obviously what, you was running the 100 meter um you know was there any um memory of running in the primary school that you could say that um you know uh, you have learned a lesson from or taught you any lesson or you know just just tell me something about running in primary school that you remember mostly about yourself i remember one time i was running at the primary school championship in the 100 meter and I remember vividly, I was um, I I pulled my my tie, my front part of my tie, <laughs> and I I kind of leap up in the air, and I never forgot that feeling, man. It was hurting. Um, yeah, it was good times. It was good times. And uh, so catching was at one one of my meet, you know, and I was running. It's a different race. I was running. And after I um, I come like second in the race because it, it was a close race. She said, "Mike, uh, Gray, they call they used to call me Gray, a Jamaica." Yeah, I remember. And, that. Um, if you go in my village, yeah, everyone know me as Gray. So she said, "Gray, where do you look to your right, man?" She let us keep the head straight and uh, you know win the race. 
I mean, so, you know, so she had to teach me the game. You have to keep it straight. No look right or left. You just have to run to the line. Mm, all right, all right, awesome. But thanks for sharing that. Let's move along um, to your high school career because we had a whole lot to talk about later. So tell us, um, how did the decision come about for you to go to Vier Technical? I mean, and, uh, when did that talk, when did that come in your head? And how did that reality come, come along? How did that dream come through? And just tell us a little bit about um, that experience. Yeah, um, I just, um, it's become natural. I just want to, I want to just go to um, Vier Technical High School. And then uh, I will start, remember I told you that I do I jump? Mm -hmm. So I, I, there's a coach at, at the time who would deal with the I jumper. His name is Alan Favre. So Alan Favre took me under his wing, teach me the ins and outs of high jump, you know? Okay. From there, and then I start to, you know, just okay. go to regular classes, take me classes then, man. Go to training in the afternoon, you know? Okay, so when you start I, I wasn't staying on Dama because right. I okay. a taxi woman and come back. back and okay, home. okay. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, knowing that you're just doing the high jumping, you know, you live about 50 miles away, uh, basically, you were just training in the evening and then commute and go back home. Yeah, yeah. All right. So tell us about the turning point at Veer Technical. Tell us exactly when you actually start doing the track. I mean, you, you got into uh, what was your first event you do and what how did you get onto doing your okay. event at Veer Technical? So so once I start high school, you know, on and off with the, with the eye jump thing. I, I wasn't like consistent. Then um, then I, I reintroduced myself back into the eye jump and then Mr. Arton, Constantine Arton, kind of give me a prep talk. And he said, Michael, do you know that you can run 800 meter? He, once Mr. Arton joined our corner and started talking, you know, and some long conversation and some big words they man are using. So um he convinced me to do some train for the 800 meter. And then Mr. Atten train, training not, not really I don't know joking thing. You know, <laughs> some serious training. So I started training training Mr. Atten and then my vibes kind of break from the from the race, from the training, because them hard training they once it reached 12 o'clock lunchtime, we start fret. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man, once you reach 12 o'clock lunchtime, we start fret about the training. And we start get timid. So we kind of shy away again from the, the track and field thing. Because the training was intense, you know? And then we start dealing with the cricket thing. We start, you know, play lots of cricket. I was a pace bowler, you know? Okay. Um, I played cricket all the way through my high school career until my senior year. Yes. Um, and then um, one day, they have a sport day at Great Technical High School. So I decided to run the 400 meter just for fun. And I surprised every, myself and everyone me, me, me won the race by far. 
So, um, Coach Jarrett, that this is my senior year, you know, you know. Coach Jarrett said, Michael, you need to take this thing serious. And we have about two to three months before boys' championship. And he said, you need to come at training, man. Take this thing serious. You see the potential in you. And I said, I'm going all right, Coach Jarrett. Dwayne Jarrett. So, we started training. Training for about two, couple of months. And then I went to the boys and girls, boys championship at the time. And uh, I placed fourth at the fi- in the final. Omar Bailey was the champion at the time. Nine, I think it was <laughs> 90, 95. Yeah, yeah man. Good. Wow. Uh, yes. Well, so, yes. Uh, in a couple of months, I'm, you know, I think the potential, everyone started to say, Michael, you have the potential, you know. You just start to train for a brief, brief period of time. You mm-hmm. played fourth at the boys' championship. And from there, you know, they started to take it more serious. All right, so 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 typically, so just the just the fact that you start training late, I know that it probably was difficult for you to get a scholarship, knowing that that was your first year, um, you know, doing the event and your pitch fort, and nobody knows about you. Um, yeah. Tell us, um, you know, tell us um, what was uh, what happened after you graduated from high school. That was after '95. I I was lost. I started to do the fishing thing again with my father. And then Mirla said, this fishing thing hard, you know, man. <laughs> hard work. Uh, no pay. <laughs> sometimes, I wonder, my work so hard. I'm not, no, not, sometimes you not catch no fish. So, um, so a friend of mine, Avil Taylor, the Taylor's brothers, them at the um, Jamalco Truck Club. So them, uh, them, them asked him to come and you know join the team. And uh, them talked to Mr. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor's the manager, and Coach Awood, Oliver Yearwood. Then bring me on. I went there and them welcomed me. But about a year at the Jamalco Truck Club. You know, me start develop, you know, miss me um, athletic ability. Um, Michael McDonald was there, Arville Taylor was there. Yeah, man, you train with Michael McDonald, you know, big star, you know, yeah, and but, you know, but Blackwood, I have to give you a lot of lot of credit, man, because the part that you take, a lot of people would have would have would have would have quit, but it, it's something that say, you know what. I know that with your dad being a fisherman, that's kind of the only thing you know, and you keep going to it, but it's something else that you want. Yes. You know, so just for you now to join a track club and, and we see how it is, um, you know, a lot of people finish college and things didn't work out and then they just stop. And and if you have hanged the spikes up, um, you know, you for all that you have accomplished in track and field, man, um, you know, 
um we don't know what the future would have been for you um you know um you know i still believe you would have you would have you'd have figured something out you know um you know you would have you probably would have had one of those big fisherman cottage you know, <laughs> in the community I got, yeah. you know um, so yeah but i went to jamaica truck and truck club man and uh basically that's my I w- that's my first overseas trip I, I took, you know, with the Jamaica track team. We went to the pin release, um, and we we enter in the in the club section. So that was my trip with Jamaica. It's a it's a good experience, you know. Then Coach A Woodman, he teach me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, big shout up to to some of the viewers that's tuning in, tuning in right now. We got one of your Oklahoma um, Omar oh, Brown. Omar <laughs> Brown. <laughs> yeah, man. We, we got Mr. Troy Fraser. He said, "Man, they talk about you a lot down there." Uh, awesome. He went to New York Institution of Technology. Um, you know, with Lynn Valier and those guys. You yeah. Know, uh, you know, uh, give a shout out. All right, um, Keisha Davy, big up yourself. Um, all right, over to you, Gregory Alton, doctor. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Um, one of the things I really like with with Mike is is humility. Mike, how and why you maintain that humility? Why you stay so humble? And did it hurt you or did it help you on this journey? Um, maybe personally, I think it helped me. You know. If I say maybe if I was like maybe out, more outgoing, so maybe me be more famous. But I just like my my style. I like my laid back attitude. You know, I like I do like the fuss and you know I like it to keep it nice and mellow. Hey, you always like that, you know. So one thing we could come down with you, Mike. We could give you any leg. If we say Mike on the first leg, you like okay. Mike on the second leg, you say okay. Mike, I want to jump. I want to jump. This. I have some more questions for you, but I yeah. want to ask you this question, um, and then we're going to come back to some of the developing years because the, de- the developing years is important to me because I know that young athletes out there want to know the journey but i always wanted to ask you this question pertaining to the 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 goodwill games you remember the goodwill games in new york yeah man that's my first that's my first, that was your first major, I, I, you know i never said this to you the first time i'm saying this on air that i had to fight in order to get you to be on the team you know and it was upsetting to some people but because you were a rookie some people didn't believe in you, but I felt like you were doing great. You know what I mean? In terms of where the other people were who wanted to be a part of the team. And because of that, I felt like, look, as young as you might be, you need to get this opportunity. What leg did we give you? The, the ankle leg? No, the, the third leg, I think. Third leg. Third leg. <laughs> Explain to the, to the viewers, because being a rookie, um in a situation like that new york with a lot of jamaicans and so on what were some of the things going through your mind during the moment i I was just belated to represent my country you know i would i was just happy to be in the moment you know and Mm. get the button and just keep it moving (laughs) i just i was just happy to go there and do my job you know 
you ever you ever go into any of these races and just feel uh, nervous till you can't run you just didn't want to do it because sometimes we feel that way but i guess we would feed off each other but yeah. some of the things talk to the people and let them know what were going through your mind because you're so simple you yeah. always like you're not nervous at all yeah <laughs> that, that's my demeanor but come like a fire going through my body you know you know like what i have lots of passion especially when i'm running the relay i'm excited but and my fierce expression people might not see the emotion but inside it's deep burning passion you know Mm. especially when i'm running the relay there's no nervousness or anything you know that's why to represent my country and make my teammate them proud yeah man Mm. When, me, when I'm running the relay, man, there's no form of nervousness. It's like I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, I remember you in Sydney, man, with the eyeglasses. You just yeah, man, Mr. So Beasley. <laughs> you, 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 we all used to say, look at Mike, man, he just look so cool. Whether you run fast or slow, you always look cool. But I want to go back, um, Mike, to when you leave, when you eventually got the scholarship, what school did you attend before so, you went um, so let me go back again. So when when I was at Jamal Kerner, my sister Catherine, she have a, a connection with Dr. Devin Port at the uni, uh, sooner Southern University of New, New Orleans. So Mr. Uh, Mr. Dr. Devin Port gave me the opportunity to to come to go to sooner Southern University of New Orleans. So from Jamalka, you know. Me, um, we go to school to study. So my sister again play a major part in that aspect, you know, yeah. because I don't have any links or any connection or anything like that. So she's the one opening the door again for me. Mm-hmm. What was the experience like that? What was the experience like when you went to school? Um, easy. It was easy, you know. And let me tell you a story. So. It was like in January, just like now. So, in my mind, may I think, say, in New Orleans, the weather is kind of like Jamaica. So, me, me dress up in a shorts and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> and, me, and there was a cold front at the time in New Orleans. And me step off of the plane, I said, you train. <laughs> <laughs> the cold front hit me. You know, my shorts and, you know, T-shirt and sandals. You know, Calver Walker. Respect Calver, Calver of him jacket. And he'll take it off and give it to me. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like literally a, war, a warm welcome. You know? Mm-hmm. So, that's mm-hmm. a good experience. So, yeah, man, Dr. Davenport gave me the opportunity, you know, sooner. Southern University at New Orleans. What were some of the tough other challenges you faced while you were at Suno? So some of the challenges that I faced was it was a culture shock, you know, long, long, language barrier, you know, you have to, you know, learn, you know, how to speak more slow so they could more understand what I was saying. Um, things, small things like that, you know. Um, Yeah, and basically I was a late bloomer. Everything started, I was starting to mature as I grew older. Mm. One last question, and then I turn it over to 
Ian, in terms of your development at Suna, when did the light bulb really turn on where you truly felt like, I'm going to like this and I think I can achieve more out of this? Yeah, the light bulb really turned on at the um, NIA championship. My When I run the race, the final, and I run my first 45, 45, 45, I was like, what? <laughs> and then again, I anchor on the relay and I spit like 44, 4. I'm saying, 44, 4? Those times sound like a big time, man. I'm saying, start to believe in myself more. I'm start to take it serious, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to start to take this thing real serious now. From there, I started, you know, think big at a bigger picture. So, so if you didn't get the results per se, you wouldn't believe that you were capable of doing these things then? My objective was to just to come to, to college and get a degree. I didn't have any Olympic dreams or anything like that. No. Everything was just pro- a progression. Mm. Everything just fall in place. It's, what I achieve as athlete is like icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Bonus. My objective was just to get a college degree and finish. You know? mm-hmm. Over to you, Ian. Man, I'm just telling you, Blackwood, um, it's so many athletes at the time. I know we're living in different times now, but um, back in the 80s, late 80s and early 90s, um, a lot of athletes that leave Jamaica, once they came to America, it was the icing. They did not really think about their career on a professional level. They wanted to come here just to escape poverty, poverty. So, um, you know, I, I was similar to you in the sense that um, I didn't have a big picture on, on, on Olympics. Um, my first objective, my main thing to do track and field, honestly, in Jamaica was to get a scholarship. That's, that's the number one objective. And uh, it took me three years because even when I done well my coach would tell me look Ian no scholarship didn't come to you have to come back the next year you know after even winning the Carifta <laughs> you know um, after the Carifta game they was like look you got to come back so I I didn't want to come that far so the moment coach tell me that I'm like look we're going to come back I never questioned him or asking him not one thing I just said do it and that's why when we talked to Gregory I was very impressed because he was able to leave Jamaica at the age of 18. And that was a great decision for him after winning the boys' championship because sometimes coaches want you to stay back just for their personal accomplishment and not for the athlete. So um, just want to shed some light on that. So, um, so Blackwood, how much did you improve going to Suno compared when you leave Jamaica, if you can remember? What your level was in the 400? What, how far did you make it? And how much did it improve when you get to sooner? It's, it improved a lot now. But I um, I give a lot of credit to, to Coach Awood because I put in the foundation from at, at the club, Jamaica Track Club. 
When I was there, I was running 47 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you basically, you improved to 47 and then you, you ran a 45. 46. Four. I used to run 46, like, in the okay. development. Okay. Get leading up to the championship. And at the okay. championship, I peak at 45 seconds. Okay. So... Just running for Jamalka, I just wanted to see what was it like. Um, what were some of the challenges you faced then? Because how far was Jamalka from where you where you live? Um, how did you able to do that? Yeah, um, I got a lot of help from my teammates. Um, I used to live with one of my teammates. His name was Kochi at the time. Okay. He, he, um, so I, I used to stay with him. He live about maybe 15 minutes drive from Jamaica. Jamaica. So I stay with him for a period of time. Sometimes I just I go back, I go back home on the weekend. Okay. And then from there I go to practice. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. So de definitely you feel like Jamaica have um developed you a little prepare you for for when you get to sooner. Because you actually did all your fall training down in, in Jamaica because you came up in January. Yeah. Um, okay. So when you heard that you was getting that scholarship blocked, when you was in Jamaica and you actually heard you got the you got the the, the the scholarship offer, you got the paperwork, how how did that make you feel? How did you um how happy were you? Can you bring us back to tell us a little bit? I was happy and ner nervous at the same time. Because when I go to embassy with my paperwork, you know, you have to go to the long interview and, you know, until I uh, finish the interview part and then give me the green light, I'm kind of more relaxed and, you know, say, yes, I'm on my way now. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, those those were the days because sometimes <laughs> you get the I-20 and you the go, I, yeah. I know people go and they, they don't get through because yeah. of, Maybe just the way they answer the questions, they want to find out more, they want to do some more research. So, you know, it's not a guarantee when you get that I-20. You always got to go there and go through that process. So, yes. um, you know, so I know you you, you did a good job you, uh, with that. So we, we're happy that you um, didn't have any more obstacles, you know, and all that. So, uh, all right. So we're going to move into the big stage of you um, going to the University of Oklahoma. Now you went to Suno. Yes. At what point, how, how did this decision come about you going to the University of Oklahoma? And there was any other schools on the table for you? I was, um, actually, I pursued the, the University of Oklahoma. And the reason why, at the time at Suno, they were talking, going around that they're going to cut the track program. So I definitely, make up my mind that it's time to move on okay. um so one of the reasons why i go to um ou where, while i was at sooner we went to texas really and i see the ou 4x14 running with danny mcfarlane omar brown you know Fed, kevin james yeah. all those guys yeah ryan kite and yeah. were, i was impressed those guys was like super fast, okay. you know, and then they're from, most of them are, are from my own country. So that's why I make up my, my decision to go to OU. Okay. 
So you so you didn't you didn't visit any other school. That was just it. Basically, I call LSU as well. But, <laughs> okay, okay. But I call up Rodney Price and you know talk to Rodney Price and come back and interested. Oh, Rodney Price is an OU coach, so okay. I pursue OU. You know. Okay, okay. I take charge. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it it's it's much much better when you know where you want to go. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, Gregory could speak for that. Um, I know that he probably, um, you know, it's funny that... Um, I was thinking about going to Judge Mason too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the Judge Mason 4x14 with Gregory and, you know, one of them. Yes. Okay. It, it, uh, before you before you um, actually signed for OU, I was there with Danny at one point and they were a little worried because they felt like you were going to sign for either LSU. Um, so they were a little worried. You uh, Were you aware of that? No, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I know at one point Danny was saying that it looked like Mike may have gone or choose to go somewhere else because it seemed like... Um, the coach price at the time he didn't see the type of athlete that you were becoming right so because you were pursuing him maybe he thought that you were not good enough for the program and maybe you can shed some light on that because one of the things i see here is where a lot of talented athletes pick the wrong school and because they pick the wrong school you know they thought it would be a great fit for them but at the end of their career, they either get frustrated and quit or they just never turn out based on expectations. Yeah. Um, do you have any experience in that in terms of what the coach was thinking, maybe why he may have that second thoughts with bringing you in and what you really think convinced him? Was it the 4 that convinced him eventually or what? I probably... The, the because I represent my country probably one of the reasons mm-hmm. um, I, I don't really sure and I research and all you you know have a good designing program graphic design that's what I was studying at sooner so mm-hmm. that even convinced me more to go there mm. was Daddy McFarlane an early mentor for you at um, OU or he was just a competitor He's, he was a mentor to me you know him show me lots of ins and out, you know. You know, um, he teach me lots of good things about life and how to approach track and field, you know, and such. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, that's good. You see, life is about having a mentor that can help you to see the things that you really don't know much about. I remember back in the days they had a, a young man who, who who left Casey and came to OU and he's one of the few Jamaicans who never uh, transitioned into his name was Ryan I can't remember his last name Ryan Clark Ryan Clark and I remember I was up there in Oklahoma and I saw where Danny and a couple of the other guys tried everything to help uh, Ryan to think clearly about what what is coming next and for some reason he just would not listen until he eventually lost the scholarship i don't nobody really heard of him or heard about him since he left ou he just totally disappeared off the map and yeah, I think... Ryan, I have, he have a mind of his own mm. you know he is hard to someone is a hard person to talk to 
Mm-hmm. But you see, here's the sad thing about it, though. The disappointing thing is that when they make those poor decisions, because of the shame, they normally take away themselves from society and nobody would hear from them again. So I was happy that you, and, and I think it's because of your humility why you were open to listen to what Danny McFarlane had to say. Because one could clearly say that Danny was a veteran back then. And you could have said, look, I don't want to hear anything from you. I am running just as fast as you were running then. But you allowed him to show you the ropes. And at the end of the day, one can say that it paid off for you. If you want to talk more about the experience and interaction with with Mr. McFarlane, still feel free. Yeah, man. Um, So um, when I went to OU, I was staying uh, on a dorm, you know. I was not comfortable where I was staying, and uh, and Danny was the one who told me that I have the option of moving off campus. You know, so I started to think, and you might. I think I I was thinking to myself, you have a good point, you know, because I'm not co- really comfortable here, you know, with my with my surroundings. So he's the one who encouraged me to, you know, move off campus, and I went um, basically stay with him for for, for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm I'm bit, I'm bit, uh, make a good decision. On yeah. That. yeah. Okay. And 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 that's what it is all about, you know, Michael. It's about the older ones helping the younger ones. But what we find today is that the younger ones. They won't listen to the older ones. And then the people that they have around them that's supposed to support and guide them, that these individuals are taking advantage of them. And it is a sad thing because if 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 you didn't, well, not saying that if Danny didn't come in the picture, but I am sure that it helped you and it helped a lot of other people because, as I said, you have seen talented athletes who came uh, they ran into obstacles, they did not have the support, they did not have the guidance, and because of that, they just fall by the wayside. So I personally am happy for you that you were able to make the transition successfully because you're a good person. You know, you yeah. are, me personally, I like you because I see how you work hard, I see how you discipline, I see how humble you are, and I think that the athletes today, they need to take a leave from your book, Mike, because sometimes you need the humility in order to get the break in life. Feel free if you want to talk more about it. The floor is yours and then it's back over to you, Ian. Yeah. Sometimes it's best to say humbly, you know. Um, because it will take you a long way. Not mm. because you're humble, you're a weak person. You know. You are just as strong as anyone else out here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Over to you, Ian. Uh, well said, Blackwood. So, if something came to mind while you was talking, um, tell us about how, when did you when you went down for the Jamaica trials in 1998. That was your first um, time trying out for the national team. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, how did you feel competing against um, all the big names, guys, that you know that you saw the 96 Olympics where those guys, um, 
you know, um, Roxburgh, Davian, um, you know, um, all them guys that were ahead of you that you know of, and then you f you find yourself running against them in '98. And tell us about that first experience running in Jamaica. How did you place at the, for the for the trials? I think when you talk about feeling, I was feeling nervous, man. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you, when I'm warming up, and you see the big star, them Gregory Martin, and then Blackfoot Martin, and then man, you, even though you're not sure, yeah, you're not sure them your game face, you know. Yeah. When you kind of feel nervous still, <laughs> but you know you just have to go out there and represent yourself. Okay. I finished fourth. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so that that was your your first big taste of the of the thing, and um, uh, for that year it wasn't any big major championship. As I said, it was an off year. Yeah. You have the Goodwill Games, and then you got the Commonwealth Games, I believe. Yeah. Um. So you was trying to go to school. I know you wasn't thinking about no Commonwealth Games. Yeah. You know, um, back at the time. All right. So. I want to move along about um I want to talk about this this sunglass. How did you what what made you this because <laughs> you you and Davian Clark was the was 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 no <laughs> 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 you know, so so tell me how how did that come along because um did you train in it? How did you come along? you know just starting to wear the, those sunglasses i just think it it's look cool i used to turn in it sometimes but um at the meet i think it my first um glass i wear was at the pen relay okay, or okay. before the pen relay but at the olympics the 2000 olympics i was wearing my glass just for fun you know okay. i made sure i <laughs> Training it to get used to it to make sure I don't, you know, make a fool of myself. In the you know, they call me Mr. Bees. <laughs> Big tagger. Yeah. But is there something, you know, that I want to do? All right. Yeah. So let's move along. So the night, oh, your, 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 your accomplishment back at Oklahoma. And, uh, before I even talk to you, I want to show you um, you're pretty much your your breakthrough race back at the University of Oklahoma was at the Big 12 Championship, and I know that got to be real challenging because when you when you run against a school like Baylor, mm -hmm. you know um, that dominate the big the Big 12, and you know and they have a strong tradition. You know they're always another guy coming up from Dean Minor to Marlon Ramsey to Brandon Kelts. To Jeremy Warner um, and Williamson, uh, Williamson. Donald Williamson. Yeah, you know, you know that every year they have a they have a final and a strong, and you was able to break that 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 trend, you know, going in. So I'm going to just show you this race, and maybe this will help you to um you know to bring you back a little bit to to do, to to that day, um you know how you was able to pretty much run a personal best. Uh, you know, uh, so yeah, this was this is probably I'm not sure if it's still a Big Twelve record, but we're gonna uh, put that up on the screen, and uh, I'm just gonna give it the opportunity to actually um, walk me through the race. Um, I'm not gonna 
use any audio in this this broadcast um you know so feel free to to, to talk um during it and after uh the race so um so that's it went off yeah i think raul is in this race you know, i think he's in lane seven raul Harvey, my teammate from ou those guys gone like bat out of ill what lane were you in? I was I was in lane four. Lane four. It's it's not r- running smooth. It's like breaking up. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. That was. So I went out. I went out about uh, 20, 21, 21.8. Brandon went out real fast. He was a favorite to win the, win the race. Yeah, I was the underdog, you know. He wasn't getting any spotlight, any attention. I surprised everyone. Mm-hmm. But I feel good in the semifinal. I run like 45 uh, 45-3, and I was feeling good. All right, so that that's pretty much what one of your... your, your so how did how did that well, make you feel so after when I, running that race? So when I won that race, it was a, the, I hear the commentator say, that's the, the fastest time in the world now. Right now, that's the number one time. I was like, I was like shocked. And uh, it was a proud moment, very, very proud moment. Uh, you, you know, I was a happy during that time. So, see, so let me ask, go ahead, Gregory. No, I usually say sometimes it, it, it just takes one good race, you know, because it's not that you don't believe in yourself, but the way whole life is, it's about the development of the mind. Because when you do the physical work, sometimes it can elevate your mind to a higher level. And I think that, I remember that race. I didn't see it the first time I'm actually watching it, but I heard about it. And it had a rippling effect throughout the track and field arena because you beat a good feel you came there as the underdog and you were able to pull it off convincingly you ran well through the first round and the final tell us how that race changed your life and changed your level of thinking because it could tell that after that race you started to believe that you were actually there and you're ready for the bigger things just tell us how you feel before the race and how you felt after the race yes I can go all the way back to the to the night before the race. I was trying to be on the my roommate Raul. We're roommates, but you know, I'm trying to intimidate Raul. <laughs> you know, we in there, you know, in the room. Uh, he's, you know, trying to jinx him about the race. I wasn't trying to be a nice guy at the time. <clears throat> like surprising. But I, just, I was I was trying to get in his head. Um, anyway, there was some alter, altercation in the room between me and Raul, and I think that altercation bring out some energy in us, you know. And then uh, we get ourselves back, you know, get our head back. And altercation with who? With Raul, man, Raul. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You, know, you, 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 you are your teammate. 
Yeah, man, my team try to get in his, you know, in head. And uh, <laughs> just before the final, because he met the final, you know, trying to intimidate him. And, you know, bring out, we bring we, that that altercation, I think, bring out some energy. It's like extra spark, extra spark. So we take, I take that energy to the track the, the following morning, you know. And uh, when we, we do, I just take that extra energy and just run the best race I can, you know. So what were you thinking before the race? Did you really feel that you were physically in that type of shape to perform? Y- yes, because I feel good in the semi. 45-3. And, you know, after I run that 45-3, I, 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 feel, I still feel the energy in me, you know. Mm-hmm. So now I have to focus now on the race itself. But so how did you feel? Good. So how did you feel after the race? Because this is one of the the, 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 the biggest race that actually helped to, to, to put you out there. How did you feel after the race? And what yeah. opportunity did this open up for you? I feel I feel really good, motivated, man. You know, number one time at the race, in the world, world number one time, you know, I start to feel proud. I start to feel happy about this accomplishment, you know. In, it 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 really sink in when when I really driving back home on the bus. So I really run this time. I really break the big twelve big twelve record. That's the big twelve record. Um, that lots of great Guatemala pass through. You know you can name them. You know. Um, so it was a it was just a proud moment. You know I was elated. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over to you, Ian. All right, great, great, great question. So, Blackwood, um, I, you know, just to let them, I know you said you, you bring some fire, but you was like, man, I'm gonna win this race. Yeah, I'm gonna put it down on the track. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know so um, yeah, yeah, I help you out. You know, you're like, yeah, man. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. I'm good. <laughs> You know, um, so I understand those those situations. I personally never run a race upset with anybody before. Um, not upset, but I've uh, I've any form of um, disagreement with anybody. That that um, I don't know how that would work. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I would use it to, to motivate me, you know, and inspire me. But um, I I never actually been that. So so that was good that you turn whatever the situation into positive. So yeah. let yeah let's move along um, to the um, you know being being competing for your first Olympics. Just want to talk a little about your first Olympic experience because up uh, well obviously um, we know that you you competed at the NCAA championship um, for University of Oklahoma. Um, I know for sure that um, you know I you know you was all American. Um, you know I, I'm not quite sure if you have won the title but i know that you 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 was come pretty much in the in the in the running for the, the, being an all-american so um so just to summarize your collegiate career um what's your biggest memory um i know the, we just watched the big 12 was there any regrets or anything that you feel like you could have done better in college that um you, you wasn't able to do yeah my biggest regret is um the same year that I won the Big 12 championship, I was I 
basically disappointed myself at the um, NCAA final. I didn't perform at my optimal level. Maybe I peaked at the, the Big 12 championship a couple of weeks before. And uh, I just regret that I didn't pull through at the championship at the NCAA. So that's my one of my biggest regrets, you know. Okay. And and uh, if you were supposed to have a chance to do anything different um, now, would you do anything? If you get an opportunity to to, to to look back on it, would you have done anything different or are you pretty pleased with how everything turned out? Well, I don't I wouldn't change anything, you know, because everything have its place have its place in life. You know, nature take its course, you know. Okay, all right. So what what you miss most um competing in college than competing in a professional? What was the difference that you find? I know that uh, take the money aside and all of that stuff but in terms of the competitiveness and what you have achieved and how relaxed you feel how different was it to compete um, in college what you miss most you could say what memory that you could say that you missed the most competing for in, a, in, in your collegiate career um some of the the, the, the road trip we take go just to drive a cross-country drive with your with your teammate and the can rather in the bus um, that aspect, you know, you talk with your your, your your teammates and having a good time in, in, the, in the transportation. I miss those times. I miss those mo- those moments. All right, all right, that's it. Yeah. And I know that you guys was a, it was a male. It was a you guys. There was a joint program for in terms of the male and female um, T uh, members. Um, you know how how much supportive. What's the best advice you could say you received from your collegiate coach? My my best advice from my collegiate coach, I I would think that um, you just just to stay focused and be myself, be the, do 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 the best I can I can at the moment during the race. All right, awesome, awesome. Yeah. So um, I want to move along to the, your your um, your first Olympic, um, Doctor Arn. Any more thing that you have to yes. say about it, this college? Yeah, there's something I want to talk to you about because you know I noticed there were a couple times whether it was indoor and outdoor that it seemed like you had a little bit of difficulty qualifying. Um, or you may qualify later on yeah. when you went to the NCAA say for example you did not perform up to your ability what do you think contributed to that level of performance and the reason why I asked you that because when I used to go to these things I used to see some of the guys who wanted to run fast our females who wanted to run fast, but they were all over the place, moving up and down, doing this, doing that, staying out late and so on. Um, what do you think contributed to your poor performance? Was it poorly pre- being prepared physically or poorly prepared preparation in terms of your mental focus? It, it, I, I would think it come down to the mental focus now. Because I didn't do anything physically like moving up and down or I always try to stay focused and get enough, you know, adequate rest that I require to perform at optimal optimal level. But sometimes you over you can overthink, you know. 
mm-hmm. and that will get to you mentally you know so it, i think it it have to it i would lean towards the the, the mental, mental the, part yeah so so when you feel like that like you feel like because we all feel that we know we're we're so nervous we're worried about the competition we start to think more about the outcome than actually about doing the, 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 the execution of the race. When you felt that way, were there anyone that you could talk to and you know just be honest with your feelings and why you may feel this way? Were there anyone that you could talk to? There were I there there were there actually I would say no. There were yeah. no one there for me to talk to. You see, maybe, the reason why I, the, the reason why I said no is maybe because I saw laid back. There's I could go to someone to talk to, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just keep everything to myself. The, the reason why I, I ask you that though, because a lot of times we as athletes we have the negative thoughts, but we don't know who to turn to, you know. And exactly. sometimes we don't want to express how we feel because we don't want people to know. Say, man, the big bad Gregory feel this way before the race. Or the big bag might feel this way, but but sometimes the thought is just a thought. And if you have somebody that you could trust, like like with Danny, I could always talk to Danny about my fears, and I know he wouldn't use it against me, you know. But there must be somebody that the athlete can talk to when it comes to to that level of of worriness. Because if you don't get someone to to at least give you perspective and Danny was good at that you know you tell him how you feel and he was like I don't worry about this or maybe you need to do this or or we would help me to break down even my race to say hey what if you get the race together then the outcome will be in your favor so I'm saying that to say Mike that as coaches sometimes we see athletes going through that challenge and we don't offer ourselves to them to find out what's going on and have that little prep talk with them to make them understand that look i've been there before I understand what you're going through uh don't worry about it do some deep breathing exercise because believe me there were times when my knees were so weak that i couldn't even stand straight my and if i had more people that i could trust that we could talk to um it would be very helpful yes i agree so 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 in terms of um the some of these ncaa championships that you feel like you didn't perform to your highest potential when you look back at it if you could do something over again maybe one of that race that you didn't feel like you did the best what would you do different because there were always things that we could learn from and improve but say one of that race that you knew you could do better and you didn't but after the race you saw what you did wrong what were some of the things that you felt you could adjust in order to change the outcome of a race a few things i could do um one of the things i could do is uh my my starting mm-hmm. up up to um by can in, inconsistent with my starting. That what that's my that one of my weak part of the race, my race. So 
whenever I don't have a, a decent start, you can call it quits. Like so yeah, I'm not a good, fa- I'm not a really fast starter, you know. So if I'm off just for a millisecond with my start, you can forget about it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in that aspect, yeah, the starting coming in comes in very important part of the race, mm-hmm. my race in college. Okay. You over to you, Ian. All right, thank you. So um, you know, great collegiate career. Um, I think Michael of um you know, I could say that, man, I'm jealous of those rings that you guys receive. <laughs> Oklahoma <laughs> usually get the Big 12, so major <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 very jealous. I see you guys um, get rings for conference and yeah. you know, big rings and things, uh, you Some know. Diamond yeah, rings. Yeah, so um, uh, how, how do you, um, what do you, are you still, um, where do you keep those and how does that mean to you now? Do you still support your ring um, now or you just have it as a souvenir? Uh, I gave one to my, my pops and, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have the other one in a uh, souvenir. Okay, okay, okay. All right. All right. So as I said, um, great collegiate career. Um, he was the big 12 champion. Um, you know, you guys have, um, you know, you have demonstrated, um, um, you know, it, during the collegiate system, you was a reckon to, 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 to look for in the 400 meters. So just want to move along to your professional career. How, how did not the transition now being a pro, um, obviously you have, um, decided to still train in Oklahoma, um, at the time, um, so Tell us um, what was, how did you transition over the the pro? I know you continued to get better um, in, in terms of um, you know get your times down and uh, being consistent. Um, what was the first year like for you out of school? Um, how did how did uh, what did how did that go for you? How did you feel about your your transition? Was it something that you was like, man, I love it now being a professional? Well. It was, it was an up, ups and down okay. transition from from college to professional. Um, but I learned from college that in order to run in the professional level, I have to focus mainly on my weakness, which is my start. So I I I start to pay close attention, you know, to how I approach getting out of the blocks and that kind of helped me a little bit in the professional okay so your first year as a professional was that the year 2000 yes okay so let's talk about um going down to jamaica competing at the national trials going out for the olympics um you know how satisfied were you um at the trials and your and your performance Again, I was disappointed, just like NCs. Um, okay. I was, I was, I want to represent the country, my country, in the in the individual race, and you have to finish in the top three. At the trials, I finished fourth, you know, wow. but I still wow. get a chance to make the relay team. All right. Well, I said I know that got to be difficult. Um, yeah. <laughs> finish fourth place, you know, uh, you know, you know. We we know that in in 
Are there any event other than the 100 and the 400? If you finish fourth, it's a done day for you. Thank God you guys have a relays and, and things right. like that. And these guys right now, they actually have um, a mixed relay that gonna actually um, benefit more for, for, other, for athletes that run the 400. Pretty much all the athletes in the final might be going to the Olympics now because of um, the mixed relay and the four by four team. Is pretty much separate so uh it's funny to see how that's gonna go in the next couple of years uh i don't believe the mixed relay team should consist of only the 400 runners i believe it should be open for 400 meter hurdlers and you know um even 200 meter runners that you know as able to you know to to, to demonstrate that they could perform well so We'll talk a little bit about that more later, but obviously going to the Olympics, um, I know you still um, get some positive out of your first Olympics. Um, tell us a little bit about um, what what your biggest memory of running in Sydney. Um, my my biggest memory is uh, just to represent my country. It was very excited get on the track and uh, you feel that rush. You know, I never see so much crowd in my life. You know, all the excitement and uh, camera flash everywhere. And especially in the final, you know, it's, right. it's like electrifying. It's an, it's an electrifying feeling. Yeah. All right. So other than your performance at the Olympics, what what can you remember the most um, just from um, it got to be excited. Um, I know that was your first Olympics, but it got to be excited going out on the track and you see that your sister is going to be running before you wow. um, running the women's four by four. Um, just, I only you could describe that feeling of what it's like. Um, how is that like to be on the team? with your sister and a teammate at the same time it's it's like it's a proud moment man and it, it make our family proud too because we're representing our country you know as as one family you know sibling right. brother and sister all right it, it's a proud moment all right. well i don't think there's any other um brother and sister that won medals in the olympics and i said uh this might be yeah. something we gotta check the record <laughs> yeah. for because uh both of you guys came home and have a um, silver medalist, I believe, uh, you know, yeah. um, in the relay. So that got to be a proud moment as a parent and just, um, you know, as a family. You know, I, 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 I actually, at the time, I'm not really, um, I just see both of y'all as a teammate, you know, um, you know, um, you're, I, some, I didn't even know that Katrin was his sister for a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, because, um, you know, I'm not from Veer. I don't really follow the history of, of it. I'm, I know a lot of people might know, but, you know, I know that, uh, I didn't know. You know yeah. Name, I let so. tell someone because we don't have the same last name. So. Right, right, right. So <laughs> that, as I said, gotta be, so after the Olympics and that was finished, um, how, I mean, did you guys celebrate? How did you celebrate? Did you celebrate or, um, just knowing that, um, did you go home? You know, how did, did you guys have a family celebration? How did you, you just have a family um, celebration? There was no like a community, there were no community celebration, just close family celebration. Um, All right. 
know. So now that we're on that topic, and um, I know Greg, we could talk about this because uh, we're going to talk about role models and um, we talk about the mentoring and things like that, you know. And I know that your sister probably um, played some of those roles for you, um, you know, at some point. But I know that you did not have um, a mentor that, you know, would have walked you through from a different standpoint. But let's talk about role model. Tell us how much your your sister as a role model how much influence and how much role that did play to you just for just to have a bigger sister competing in you know doing the same event and and being successful um how much of an influence and how much that i've i've, I've, I've done for you from a personal standpoint my sister, she's a, she's a big influence in my life, man. Um, she's the one who I look up to. I follow her footsteps. She's the first one in the family to co- go to college. And uh, I want to follow her footsteps, do the same thing, you know? Okay. Um, All right. All right. So t- tell us, share with us, with, um, you know, what what's the, the best advice you ever received from your big sister, Miss Catherine Scott. I told her I was going to give her a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> she does always encourage me to, to always try, try my best, do my best, you know, you know, that's basically it, you know, all right, do all my right. best, do my all best, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, she yeah. just keep it nice and simple and just yeah. to get to the point. Um, you know, I'm sure that she, was proud of you and you might have played a role for her too um you know just for you guys competing alongside each other and we know blackwood also we know we didn't talk much but you went to one of the high school that produced so many olympians um in jamaica um other than um your sister um there was anybody that really played an influential role um you know you know male or female uh, not even out, outside of high school, but just just on a uh, uh, on a track and field basis. Anybody that you look up to that you uh, you, you find um, any inspiration from, um, just from a track and field standpoint. Track and field standpoint. Um, I used to look up to to Maki, you know, because Maki was you know very very influential at high school at the high school level. Um, he did he did a good job at Great Tech. Um, he represent his country from a junior junior level, real good. And he was one of the first Guatemala who lo- locally based train who break forty four seconds. So I kind of you know give give him in props on that. All right, local. Well, we know Michael McDonald was a stellar athlete as a junior uh, in the 400 and the 800. Uh, do you believe you could have been a great 800 meter runner? That's what everybody told me. But um, going to, going ar- going around the track the second time is no joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see get, we see a guy run 141 in the in, in London. Uh, he's pretty much sprint the, the two laps. He came through in 48. The first lap, <laughs> uh, that, and this is what a lot of coaches do. If like, you run a forty-four second, if you come to fifty points, do you think you could run another lap? 
Nope. <laughs> it's, like, the, um, they were telling me based on my my style of running, I could be a great 800 meter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so, but yeah. uh, I run decent 600 yards indoors. I like yeah. run like 108 and 107 and time. Now that we're talking about workout, let me ask you this question here before we get you over to Dr. Houghton. Um, what was your favorite workout um, that you like to do um, that really makes you feel mentally ready? Oh, I like to do those 500s. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are my favorite. The first Guatemala, I, 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 I heard something like that. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I'm training with my teammates and we have those 500 days, man, they don't like coach, you know. But I'm happy for some reason. That's my strength, you know. Okay. All right. Over to you, Doc. Um, my thing is this, Mike. That. You know, in track and field, you know, like when I was training, when I was getting ready for the Olympics, 96, when I fell short, it was a very disappointing moment for me. And I felt like I just wanted to retire. And I know sometimes with with, with, with the people who finish out of the top three, that if one is not careful, then other people may have that level of resentment towards other members of the team have you ever experienced um that in terms of performing well and because you outshine others you uh had to defend yourself in some ways or just take the higher road were you ever exposed to to anything like that during your time I would say yes, but I try to be myself, mm-hmm. and I can't be no one else. Mm-hmm. I'm just an athlete, you know, who try to do their best. Mm-hmm. So if if someone, if I offend someone by performing my best, that's their problem. That's how I look at it. How, how did you feel then? Because when in in 2000, when you finished fourth, right? That was a very touchy thing because fortunately I won it. Danny finished second. I think Davian finished third. You finished fourth. Um, in this case, Michael McDonald, who used to dominate the local thing at the time, I know he was extremely disappointed when he finished outside of the top three. Um, how did you feel? I know you were happy for yourself because at least you would be a part of the top four but how did you feel knowing that mike was so helpful to you um he you know you aspired to be like him one day and you finished fourth now and now he's no longer in in the the, the official top four that would represent the flat the the, the, the relay team how did you feel were you able to have conversations with him and console him and things like that no we, we didn't have any conversation like that but i personally i feel good about myself because i made the team but to be honest with you i wasn't like thinking about about anyone else like that mm-hmm. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it, the reason why I say that, you know, because sometimes as 400 meter runners, as I say, we all fighting for the same piece of bread, right? And we have, like, I, I, I'm trying to be happy for everybody else. I want my slice of the bread, though, you know. But yeah. I'm trying to, to, to make sure that I get mine. And because I experienced the frustration where I wanted to be there in the top three and I wasn't able to do so, and I know the feeling, this is why I try to be understanding to somebody else who train hard but never make it. You know, um, we all as athletes have to be understanding and we can't have the spirit of jealousy when it comes to fighting against someone else because, you know, they should have and they didn't. I want to ask you another question though, pertaining to the Sydney, because, you know, some of us felt like you deserve to be on the mile relay team in Sydney and other people were saying that you know you're still a rookie because even though it's your and you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah did it affect you um with with, with people still thinking that you're a rookie even though you were able to perform well how did that make you feel when it was time to run you know say it didn't really affect me because I'm cooler, relaxed like Sunday morning. And just make everything flow. You know? Mm-hmm. So, if I deserve, if I met the team and I I know that I deserve to be on the team and play my part. And, you know, I just go out there and, you know, do my best. If the coach selected me to run on, that, on the leg that day, so be it. Mm-hmm. You know? That's how I look at it. You know, the reason why I ask the question, Mike, because we are on a program now and a lot of people don't know what happened in the, the background. The only people would know would be those who are on the team. And as I said before, there were times when I had to fight for different athletes because I felt that you deserve to be on the team because you performed better than most of them when it counted the most. And sometimes you'll find that seniority, people who been on the team before, they want the right to represent their country, even though they were beaten by a freshman, Uh, 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 you know? And we had to fight. Well, I personally had to fight to make sure that, look, you're gonna be on the team, not because I like you or I hate somebody else, but because you earn the spot. And I think that more of us should take that position to make people know that, look, if you want it and you deserve it, you're going to get it. If you don't get it, maybe because you don't deserve it. Because it was said to me that some one of us, a member of the team, end up throw away their medal because they did not like the fact that they weren't a part of the top four. Um, because we went through the rounds. Now, I know that people may not want to talk about that, but we can't always sweep that under the rug. You know, people who deserve the opportunity to be there, it should not be seniority. Because when I finished fourth at the trial, I could have fought to be in the top three, but it would be unfair Yes, take that opportunity from Roxworth Martin, because look what he did. He ended up doing great things and we, we saw it in the 2000 uh 2004 when shelly and fraser too who was a rookie 
end up winning the trials and people wanted to take her off the team and put another senior person and look what happened you know so it is important that you as a coach too mike that you may like a person who is on your team but if they don't deserve it they should not get it because sometimes it can psychologically affect that person that you took away that opportunity from and i'm sure that if we if we are teamed up against you mike and take away that opportunity i am sure it would have broken your spirit and you wouldn't be able to achieve a lot of the things that you 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 wanted to achieve later on in life because without a doubt you have been one of jamaica's best 400 meter runner based on some of the the, the the things that you have accomplished over the years right so talk to us if you have anything you want to share with us feel free to share it because you know it's your night tonight you know people don't hear a lot from you mike because you're quiet you don't say a lot and you always take things with a smile and it is good that you know even though you went through your own struggle um you're still able to stay focused now i'm going to hand it over to ian you can say what you want to say but i'm happy i'm having some burning desire to ask you <laughs> some question pertaining to our federation and and, you <laughs> and all of that so i'm going to give you the chance to answer and then i'm going to hand it back over to Ian. yeah so well said so um at the helsinki game nine two thousand and five when some younger younger quartermala were coming up and the coaches them decide not to let me run in the final and i, I didn't give anyone no fight i just them say you know, I just step aside and let the young man them have them chance. So based on way I say it makes sense, you know. If the coach believe that you have um have a better chance of performing with different athletes, you know, let's give them the chance. But do you think it's fair that even though you earn your spot? If you earn your spot, if you if I earn my spot. I have all the right to represent my country, right? Because mm-hmm. I earn it, it's fear. So no one should be envying me or in, you know. So what do you consider earning your spot? Uh, if you finish in the top if four. If I finish in the top four and I'm maintaining my fitness and I'm performing at that level, I believe I, I should represent my country. The best man at the time, right? He's the best man at the time, you know, to represent. Well, well, my take on it, um, it's a, it's a lot more than that. Um, I think it has to do with uh, the dynamics of of the people. You, you could have somebody that on the same level together, mm-hmm. uh, but you have proven that you has been um, a great starter, and they might say, look, you know. Um, it could go either way so there's some point where seniority or um, experience has to play a role um they always said if a guy is going to come and take a spot he can't perform like you (laughs) you got to be performing better than you (laughs) if you already have the spot so if a guy is performing like you so that's not going to be fair (laughs) for you are you talking about training for the olympics uh thing that you got to work for for four years you know so i understand that you 
don't like controversy and you kind of, uh, to me, you're the type of athlete that use that as a motivation. Because if you notice, over the years, you, you, you try to focus more on the individual thing. I guess you, you, you need to let this relay affect you. <laughs> Um, you know, I seen that where you actually um, was selected to go to the team in right before you retire. <laughs> um, I think it was 2009 or something. And, and you said, you know what, you guys could um, let the younger guys go for it, man. Um, you know, I, you know, because you have stepped on the line. You actually made the team. But you was, you know, you have got some infringement call and um you know so situation like that so um you know obviously as i said um the god will bless that's why the lord bless you because as i said you know you don't like controversy and you, you you know you somewhat leave it up to the coaches but as gregory was saying you know there's times when he has to step in because um <laughs> it wasn't fair <laughs> And, you know, I can't see something that's not right and just do it because it's not affecting me. Um, you know, um, any input on that, Greg? Yeah, because here's why it's dangerous, Mike. We see that when you leave things up to somebody else to make a decision, favoritism can always come in the picture. And because of what is going on now, we're, the country is selecting coaches who are coaching people who are on the team and because of the, the 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 financial reward to gain that sometimes the coaches or the coach may want to put his person on the team and take away the opportunity from somebody else so it is dangerous when you put the power in the hands of somebody else to make a decision because automatically they're going to want to give it to their to, to the person that they like the most or the person who they think um, they can benefit from the most. So I'm making this point to say that we need leaders on the team because I was the type of leader on the team, Mike, that you couldn't buy me. You couldn't negotiate with me to take away the opportunity from, 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 from one person who worked hard to give it to somebody else, especially if I was on the team. If I was on the team, it is up to me to make sure that the best four guys go on the track. And I think that the leaders that we have today, they need to take that approach where they should be honest. Because if they are not consistent with this, then chances are that they too might be in a position where they need that favor um, because they are the best person and they are overlooked. So it is important to know that we should, should, we, we sh we should be honest with the selection and we should be honest with the things that we do because we're dealing with somebody else's life and future, Mike. You train hard for this and for them to take it away from you because they feel like it's just not fair. And I will never agree to that. I agree with you. So basically, there should be no favoritism in the, in the, in the sport, in the selection process. Right. If, if someone work hard for to make the team, he should have his moment and opportunity, you know. Definitely. So I'm 100% um, on board with you on that. Right. And you know why it is dangerous too, Mike? Because the, the personality that you have, you're very humble. 
um, and it, it's not that you don't care, it's just that you don't express yourself like somebody who is vocal. So for me, I'm going to express myself if it's somebody taking away something from me. But because of the personality that you have, you're just going to say, you know what? If that's how they see it, let them go with it. And they enjoy taking advantage of people with that humble spirit, just like you. Back to you, Ian. All right. Well, Blackwood, um, you are still my one of my favorite. Um, your performance speaks for itself. Um, you have accomplished so much um, individually. So we're going to talk about um, some of the great moments in your career now. So we want to go to season 2002. And um, I think that is the perf perfect season for, for any runner. Um, that um, accomplishment. Um, you have worked your way down to being number one in the world. And um, all of that that started out, um, you know, from the Jamaican Championship, uh, moving on to the Commonwealth game. Um, and you probably was undefeated that year. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I want to talk about the Commonwealth Games first because that um, was quite a, a moment um, competing in Manchester. Um, I was there also competing in the 400 meter herders. And, um, you know, we sometime at the time, did not, um, you know, think about the Commonwealth Games as a as a lower lower level of competition, you know. So it doesn't get as much um, priority. But the Commonwealth Games has grown, and um, you know, I, I I I believe that your race was very competitive. Some of the events are not as competitive, but I believe the 400 meter was competitive because you was running against a man that won the world championship the year before. And you got guys from the African countries that are also running good, um, you know, and all over. So just take it back, take back to the, the 2002 Commonwealth Games. Uh, I know that you pretty much came on the home stretch in six or seven. Did you think that was a great executed race? Um, are you, are you, do you feel like that's one of the better races you have ran? Yeah. So let I take it back. So the 2000 season was some people call it the cinderella year but i believe in reality so it was a good year man um the race itself the rounds there was there were um four rounds include the final hmm. so i basically it was a gamble i paced myself all all through the rounds so i was placing like fourth and fifth and third throughout the rounds consistently it was a gamble i took because i know if i run like low 45 and 44 there's nowhere I, i'm gonna have the strength to finish the way the way i did in the final so it's all about like different tactics you know as um, I, I i know that as long as i don't get lane one i'm gonna be doing all right Give me a quick second. Let me put that race up, Blackwood. So, um, yeah. as I said, I know it's a long time. So, just before you talk about it, uh, again, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna stream the audio, so you feel free to, to talk. Yeah. So um, I come off 
the turn, like fifth, fourth, sixth place. But I keep my composure and I keep pushing through. I keep my focus all the way through the line. At the last moment, I, you know, lean towards the line. I went out pretty conservative as usual. Because after those runs, my legs was kind of heavy. But I know I have enough strength to, to finish the race. I just give it all. On the, on the home stretch, I just give it all, man. I was pumping too. All right. So how proud of a moment was that to, to run, represent the Jamaica colors? And that was actually your first major gold medal. Yeah, wow. that's what I was about to say. You know, this race itself is one of my, is my proudest race because I get to represent my country in the in an individual race. And uh, if you notice at the end, you know, no one believed that I was going to win the race. But I always believed in myself. If you see me going around on the victory lap, there's no one, I didn't have any Jamaican flag or anything. <laughs> no one was here to give me a Jamaican flag or anything. I was just going around waving my hand, you know, because no one believed in me, but I believed in myself. And that's a very important note. And I hope the listeners who are out there can relate to that that sometimes it really doesn't matter what people think it really doesn't matter what people believe exactly as long as you believe in yourself that's all it takes yes it's good to have the right support mike it's yeah. good to have the right guidance but it's also a great thing to believe in yourself and exactly. nobody can take that away from you that race or that medal away from you because you deserve it more than all those other guys who ran in that race yes all right well said so we know that um you have um become victorious won the commonwealth games and um at the time i don't know if you know that you was you know you know on point to become a number one ranked runner in the world at that point so let's talk about um i know that at the same time there was um a good performance came from you from the World Cup, the IAF, IAF World Cup in track and field, which was um, a, another successful day for you on the track. Um, how were you able to maintain your consistency so long during the season? What did you do different in 2002 that you were so consistent? I, I wish it was the Olympic year. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think at that time, my body mature. I, I think uh, I was just tuned, fine-tuned that year. Uh, for some reason, I think my it's like a natural process for my body to develop and ready for that year. Um, there's no other way I could explain it. All right. Yeah. So yeah. So obviously, as I said, you have you have you have finished the season um, victorious in many of your races, and uh, you have. You know, was voted the 2002 Sportsman of the Year. Um, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Knowing that um, you got a call that you're nominated to be the Sportsman of the Year, how did you feel, and um, how much does that played um, from um, from just your, your the, 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 the the Jamaica Sportsman Association have nominated you, and you have actually came out on top how did you feel going it do you feel like you was going to be the um voted number one athlete of the year on the male side 
to be honest, um, uh, the world ranking. Let's talk about the world ranking. I didn't know before 2002. You know, I didn't know what all of this means until then. <laughs> until in the moment when I started performing, and I hear people t- telling me about the points and the, the different how they accumulate up. I start to educate myself in those times in 2002. And I know that the higher you rank, you you more the the better chance of you getting to races and such. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I think at that time, Michael, I think I was ranked number one, and then you took it over. Yeah. <laughs> it was only the first time the Jamaicans were ranked number one and number two. Yes, going into, <laughs> into the but season. You never know how all of them think they work until then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe Gregory was number one ranked in 2001. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, even though he have lost the world championship, um, he has, you know, won the Goodwill Games and um, the Grand Prix final. You know, it yeah, was very. Let's talk about the Grand Prix final, Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was in that Grand Prix final no, with you. <laughs> where did that come from? I, 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 never, I didn't see you running. <laughs> I think what happened, I know what Gregory does. Uh, so he pick and choose his race. Yeah. You know he's coming for the final, but uh, <laughs> you're watching the numbers. You're watching the numbers. You know? <laughs> I would just pick the race that I need to go and then right. you know. But because you were kind of new on the scene, Mike, you had to do more races in order to get the points. Right. And you did it the right thing where you got the points and you were now able to. But it, it was good because I think when we went to the Grand Prix final, you won it, right? Yeah. I think I finished second. I think yeah. we were either one and two. One in, and two. Yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, it paid off. And I was happy for you because as I always say, Mike, I've never seen I met another 400-meter runner for Jamaica or otherwise who so humble. You know, you... So- you, you always seem like you're just going about your business with no care, but it's just your personality, but you genuinely care, you know? Yeah. And I always admire that with you because there's a good thing. I was there from the beginning. I saw when you went to OU, I was at OU with you guys. You know, I used to visit all the time. Mm-hmm. I used to hang out with you. In fact, we used to stay in the same place. Yes. But, you know, we used to talk a lot. I had good times, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm saying that to say, that people can compete against each other because it was me, you, and Danny hanging out all the time, yes. eating, playing games, and doing all these things. And we we, we existed. We we didn't fight against one another. And I want the athletes them to know this, that you don't need to fight against or be jealous over what somebody else achieved because when the person worked hard for it, you should celebrate their success just like how you celebrate other people's success. We all should come together and celebrate those. Yes. other individual success as well back to you Ian. all right awesome awesome well that a great memory there um i wish i got that race but um you know we, we just for time's sake we're not going <laughs> <laughs> we're going to leave it alone um but yeah so obviously as i said um black could um going back to the second part of the question i was asking you about being nominated for the sportsman of the year in jamaica 
how did that make you feel um, at the time, just going back home and um, getting the award? And what what was the award? It was it was a proud moment, you know, because it's, it's a very prestigious award in, in Jamaica sports. Um, very proud moment. I think the, the runner-up was was Chris Gale, okay. and uh, and when them when them called my name and um, mentioned that I'm the winner, I was like very elated and it was a very proud moment um they gave us they gave me um a trophy a big trophy um but it's not it's temporarily it's a temporary trophy and then they just for showcase because it's big and extravaganza and they they take it away and give you another a smaller version to keep for me to keep and um I, i'm pretty sure they gave you a gift um i don't know if they, they was doing that back then where you know. yeah they gave us like monetary <laughs> gift <laughs> well yeah. it was it, something, it something. was it was obviously that um yeah. at the time just looking back on what i know about track and field now to have a man that ranked number one in the world it would be hard not to nominate him i know that um cricket um is uh we always you know michael holen and those guys have dominated the uh, the award you know um and uh, for many years but being ranked number one in the world over uh, and winning the commonwealth games and and so on that was a well-deserving award so congratulations man um of, um for that award and um you know i know that um you know that's something that's done in the history book you know and i wish that you know that you know they have recognized you some more because you actually as i said uh, i think the 400 meter runners need to be recognized more um in, in in the sport in jamaica i think um you know we know that the glamour event is the 100 but i i believe that the during the time from 19 uh we want to say from 98 down down to about you know 2006 when there was three or four Jamaicans in the final. We haven't seen nothing like that. And as I said, Gregory could shed light on the drop of the lever of the 400 in Jamaica. Um, what what is the difference that, you know, that what's the difference right now to see that the, 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 the 400 meter has declined? <laughs> Mm -hmm. you know um overall we know we have a guy that ran the jamaica record um you know um that's still competing now and you know we congratulate him but when we're talking about consistency in in the 400 and seeing you know two or three jamaicans in the final we're not seeing that right now so um if you want to shed some light on that um before we you know we, we close it out yeah, I, I shed some light because you see the type of athletes that were developed in our time, we don't have them these days. You know, Mike told you, you know, that he was a fisherman, so he knew how to work and how to work hard. These young guys that we have now, they, 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 they're fragile, their ego, very fragile. They don't have that tenacity, they don't have that will to 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 give it their all you know back in the days you had people my myself danny mcfarlane michael mcdonald davian clark um 
and you have many others out there who we were hungry for this we wanted this we were willing to do the work we would come we wouldn't compromise principles and you don't have these guys anymore we also were strategic guys where we knew how to pace ourselves and run our races and the thing about it you see that level of humility that might display right now we were knowledgeable about the event these young guys they just think that it's always about hard work but even though some of them work hard they lack the discipline they lack the mental fortitude and they lack the will to win so until we change that where we now start to focus and teach these guys how to appreciate hard work you hear what mike said he like 500 meters they would say that i enjoy working hard this way they they don't so until we start to invest in the mind and change their perspective then you know for things to change they too have to change and if they're not willing to change you know it's just going to be a figment of the imagination well said well said yeah Yeah. so so blackwood let's move a little bit um you know before um you know, we're going to go over a little bit of um, overtime right now um, because we know you, you, you went back to the Olympic in 2004. Um, so you was competing in an individual event in 2004. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. You know, um, you know, how did your performance go and how, how did you feel about it? Actually, I met the final. I got lane one. I end up eighth place. Um, I was about, I was a little, little disappointed, not because of my placing, but I was kind of disappointed I get lane one. Um, but it's God willing, you know. I there's no way I, my style of running I could be effective in lane one. Yeah. So I just go there, you know, and just All run. Right. Well, I know <laughs> with the, with the, you know you're a very tall guy. And yeah. um, you know, I know that um, you know that it's everybody got to run, but I I could see where um, you know that could have been a disadvantage. But at the same time, um, it's you know, it's, it's life. <laughs> yeah, it's life. Uh, we know um, Gregory ran in lane eight in Sydney, yeah. and um, you know, I know he probably felt if he was in a better lane, he probably could have run. No, I really didn't care enough. Yeah. I really didn't care. In fact. You see, and this is why I would say to you, Mike, that it was your thinking that caused you not to, to, to get that or to be more competitive. Because I remember in the Pan-American game, in the semi-final, they gave me lane one and I ended up running 44 in lane one. And it was because I was hungry. I was coming back from, you know what I mean? But, 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 but Gregory, remember, I may not have your foot speed, you know. Yeah, and that is true too. <laughs> and you run upright. <laughs> yeah. but, but what I'm saying here, Mike, is yeah. that the way you look at it, if you yeah. if you use your weaknesses to say you're gonna be a contender, it's not going to happen. So you would have to see it and say, Look, I know I'm tall, I know I run upright, but look, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change the world today. Yeah. You understand? <laughs> Actually, I was trying up to the first first 150, I was gone. (laughs) And then coming off the last turn, man, the monkey. You use up all the energy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
we know that um, he said he was trying, and, yeah. and and I know looking back at it now, he could speak because it's already passed. Yeah. I know before the race, um, you know, you were still in that right zone and that mindset. So uh, I know you just didn't go in the race and say, "Look, I gave up." You know, um, no, I didn't. I didn't yeah, yeah. And I hear guys said they know it was going to happen. So that's where, no, Gregory. If some of these guys go in the race and thinking that they, they're not going to win. In the mind, they already lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's definitely one where ain't gonna happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Blackwood, you were still able to um, come home with a with another medal um, on the relay. Um, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in in, in um, did, did you guys uh, bring home another relay medal in 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 in, um, in, in, in Athens? Yeah. No, I I step on the line and uh, we get disqualified. Okay, okay. Well, um, uh, yeah. Well, that 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 since since that was, um, you know, it's it's always stuff that yeah. um, <laughs> that that <laughs> you know, and, and that's why you know we have to give thanks for Gregory because um, you know, in 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 Atlanta, you know, when he get down, he could have stayed out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I remember and, that race, man. You know, and, and I know that guys got to be disappointed that. We got disqualified on the relay, you know, when you're running with team members and, you know, um, I know you guys qualified, you just got disqualified. So I know that got to be disappointed for you and some of the other teammates because you yes, never want to felt like that. So, um, you know, so yeah. Um, any, any, um, any light on that, Greg? Yeah, because you see, Mike, one of the things we used to do in our time is that if you notice, sometimes I would run the last leg, sometimes I would run the second leg, and we would do the matchup based on what we thought would be best for the team. And the four guys would never be afraid to run any leg. It, it really didn't matter. And yes, we know we had Maki who always wanted to run the first leg. But what we found after we retired, that they now started to dictate to, to you guys where you run and why you must run this and why you must run that. And sometimes they didn't understand that um, if you don't match up the team the right way, then even though you have four strong guys, that they may not win or perform well. And I think in your case, Mike, I don't think that, in my opinion, I don't think that you should have run that leg. I think there were other legs that you could have run that they could have gotten a whole lot more out of you. I agree with you. All right. Well, that's where the experience coming in. Um, you know, I know that um, the dynamics of the team. You know, I know that has to do a lot with the performance. I believe that's why the era of um, Gregory and Danny and Davian, these guys, um, they're like um, they have a unity against themselves. You know, so they they try to make sure that um, you know that they will share their opinion. Um, a valuable opinion that we, they're talking about what they know. So it wasn't a guess, you know. Um, you know, some of the coaches that they're there, they're not watching you running all year, you know. So, you know, that's where the, the importance of setting up a relay. Like I know um, for Sydney, and I and, and Gregory could share some light on this because he ran, he ran the second leg, which I don't know. Um, um, how how that was arranged we, we would we would think that 
and and I know Gregory have the experience because he'll tell you I run four rounds in the four hundred, uh, and I run the heats. So it's be best to put a fresher guy on the ankle leg. Um, was that the the philosophy behind that, Greg? Well, we had a lot of issues in two thousand, you know, because um, Davian went down with an injury, and because of that, it forced me to run one of the rounds, and yeah. I had to run the rounds for the for the four hundred. So when they used me to run the rounds in the the semi-final it got a little bit too much for me you know so when when i came back for the final believe me i was running on fumes i couldn't i i didn't i wasn't able to perform the way i wanted to but i knew that whatever leg they gave me would be i would just run into the best of my ability so in 2000 it was unfortunate that davian went down because and he was one of the top guys in the 400 meter throughout not just for jamaica but for during the entire championship so when he went down um somebody else had to step up and that was me and that took away from us in the final because we could have won that mic easily if we had davian on the team yeah. and I... that would have been davian's second olympic medal but it was yeah. it was unfortunate that he pulled his muscle in the semi-final and it kind of cost us we had to use chris Chris Williams, yes, yes. we structured the team. You know, the guys were tired. Chris was tired. I was tired. Danny ran the four rounds too. He was tired. And you know what I mean? It was it was tough for us. Yeah. Yes. Well, as I said, during all of that, you know, with limited legs, you guys were still able to, to come bring a medal home. So mm -hmm. just for the people that's watching, they don't know, you know, um, how the, the struggles and how things are looking at you know yeah, everybody, really. <laughs> everybody's watching the final and they'll be like look jamaica we are gonna kill them now you know they don't know behind the scene what's going on yeah 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 so blackwood just, just to summarize your career um you know w was there any any regrets um you know just looking back at your career um you know just from you know all the way up to you still went back all the way to 2008 um you know went out for 2008 that's in beijing and um you know you you pretty much has a, a great career for around 10 years you know uh, from 98 you retire in 2009 but what what would you say is the highlight of your career? Uh, what's your top three moment that you could say that um, these that's something that stuck with that's gonna stuck with yeah. me for the rest of my life? So, my number one highlight would be the Commonwealth game, and uh, number two would be the World Cup. Okay. And then I'll put my eighth place finish at the. Athens game, Olympic final in there as well. I get to in the Olympic, running the Olympic final. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, guys, you hear it? Um, the Commonwealth Games for Michael Blackwood was his was his favorite. Um, the Great Britain fans. Um, I know you're well known for Great Britain over there. Um, you know, and just to shed a little little bit about because um, you know we didn't talk much about. Your first love. I know we talk a little bit about. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we know we talk a little bit about that. Um, that you was playing cricket for most of the year in high school, you know. But just just tell us something that people might not know about you when it comes down to cricket. Just tell them what what 
what what special what a specialist were you what what's your favorite part about cricket um yeah you so, know, what, um, the best call i was a bowler pace bowler everyone say i remind them of uh, uh, of uh courtney walsh okay yes that nice stride up and deliver gregory mirce used to be a batsman mm-hmm. my <laughs> old singer them me don't know you know <laughs> right. I would love to beat a pace bowler like you, yeah. Mike. Tall and fast. <laughs> yeah. But I get to represent at, at a youth level, Clarendon, and uh, we make it. We made it all the way to um, to the national championship. We play Kingston, and we we won. Um, we won that championship. So as a youth cricketer, I used to represent Clarendon, and as a national champion in cricket. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm trying to um, get the best understanding of this question here. Um, that it's asking about your. Uh, it might be for Gregory. Most yeah. uh, contribute in achieving the four by four national record, and why is it still hold? You mentioned hunger among the team. Each runner will, you know, just talk about um, the national record, um, Gregory. Um, you know, I know it, you guys are still holding that record. So yeah, just... I think that record we held that record. I think it's um, Danny McFarlane, myself, Michael McDonald, and Davian Clark. In fact, it was at the World Championship when we ran two fifty-six. We, we, we. I think we broke that record. The Panamanian game record. We ran two fifty-seven, and then we came back to um, we came back to to. The world championship, I think it was in 1997, when we ended up finishing third, very close between the UK, ourselves, and the United States. And we ended up running 256 or 255 something. And that's a state, that's a record that, that, that exists for Jamaica today. Okay. All right. So, Blackwood, um, you know, we want to. Um, ask you a few more questions and they'll let you go um so just 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 to tell us a little bit about um as an athlete i know right now you are working in um, as a physical education coach um so just tell us now how did your athletic experience now help you now to be a better teacher and an educator um in what you're doing now yeah it, my background helped me a lot um it allowed me to be a role model, a positive role model for the, the youngsters. I teach at the primary level, so that that's what uh, I want to do because at that level is that's the critical moment in the kids' them development, and I want to bend the tree when it's young at that age, so they can learn how to take care of themselves health-wise. Um, Think about adverse teaching about adversity and um, perseverance. Yeah, and uh, just teach them, you know, how to take care of themselves. Okay. How is it like going to work knowing that you're running the Olympics and the students? They pretty much know that you're Olympian. Um, you pretty after they always want to race you. What is it like to be around student that you know know that you are running the Olympics? Yeah, first of all, they don't know what is the Olympics. You have to, you have to educate them about, you know, because they're so young. Okay. And then okay. show them a few videos and then that, that light 
comes on in their head and like you know wow coach you're famous and then you know you teach them about the hard work you know what it takes to become an olympian okay is there any possibility that we'll see a young black kid on the track in um one day oh uh, <laughs> my, my older son he, he's picking up interest in, in track and field he runs the hurdle he's a hurdler okay. he runs the 110 hurdle and 200 meter hurdle okay and he can alternate and so on and so forth <laughs> okay all right all right well you know you got a lot of um people that you could call in uh you know yeah. you got daddy you got gregory he ever wrote a book and under 400 meter hurdles uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know and you, I, i'm surprised you know just curious that's one event you never consider trying oh uh, <laughs> another another one that coaches always said i should you know take up but i never really have any interest in running over anything like that okay 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 I, yes. i think i tried for one week and then i i said mm. <laughs> all right and um one one more question here before i let you get, get his final thoughts and um you know so what would you now say to the young runners now um in jamaica in the u.s that um just in high school right now they're you know running and they're looking for the next opportunity what advice would you give to young athletes now that that that's coming up is it for me or gregory you for you mike blacker yeah i, I would uh, i would tell a young athlete athlete to to keep working hard and be consistent you know keep on being motivated and follow their dreams you know believe in their self because okay. if they don't believe in their self no one will all right all right so guys you hear um you know some of the the tips from uh, michael blackwood here um you know for young runners you know just um stick with it you know um you know you got to be passionate about it you know you got to you know uh, gregor will shed some more lights on it you got to try to find someone that could give you some real advice um And, and sometimes you know it's not just your coach because i would have i would have been so happy if i would have a um a mentor in high school that's somebody that i could talk to and don't try to figure things out on my own mm-hmm. so um just over to you greg on your final thoughts yes my final thought is first and foremost mike is that i personally i'm telling you that I am pleased with your overall performance. I am proud of you. I think that you represented our country well. You represented the team that you ran with me on well. I admire the way you carried yourself on the track. One of the things I'm most impressed with was the transition that you made from the athlete into the real world where you married you took control over your life you have some brilliant kids and you continue to be that role model in the home i know your story because i was there from the beginning and i saw all of your little moves and and moving to dallas and you know i can just imagine it as a friend if i feel that way i can man- imagine how cheche feel and how your your, your rest of family feel because a lot of times athletes are not able to make the transition 
and a lot of times people uh, think too much of what it is and they complicate their lives and you were able to walk away when you wanted to and how you wanted to and you live a life now where you're inspiring young people and i am very much impressed with that because i think that all athletes who achieve great things should do things like what you're doing i will also do encourage those people who are watching to say that it is time where we all look to mentoring as a way to help these young athletes and these young developing individuals because it is needed i'm tired of people making so many mistakes in their own lives because they can i think it is a time where parents must take the handle and control their homes i think fathers we need more fathers like you mike who can take control and, and make sure that the young men in your home that they understand what respect is so we need some of the young people and the people who are watching ian and ian weekly to say enough is enough i am going to step up my game i'm going to be that role model father mother brother sister because in a time like this we need all the help we can get to make this world a better place i wish you all the best mike in all you do and i pray that god will continue to bless and keep you and your family safe for 2021 and beyond thank you the respect is mutual yeah man <laughs> all right so mr blackwood um you know as usual um you're you gonna think give me a, um a good good summary of um what you michael blackwood how you want to be remembered as an athlete now that you're retired you know we want you to put it on record so um when somebody say oh uh michael blackwood uh, we know that you're humbled you know we know that you are um you know um you let your performance speak for yourself but just say from your perspective um you know um i know you got your son and daughters um you got your 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 wife and you know um you know so how we want to remember as an athlete and as um a husband and a father yeah i i want to remember as an athlete as an honest athlete you know and uh humble honest and uh a, a person who do the best of their ability and do the right thing all right and uh as a husband and a father or, 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 what 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 as a, as a husband as a, and a father i just you know i'm proud a, pr a proud provider and a, a, a positive role model for my kids all right so guys you hear it from michael blackwood um I hope we was able to inspire, educate, and motivate someone in some way uh, as we try to do each week on Real Talk with Ian and Ian. I personally want to say that uh, this has been a historical day for me. Um, you know, we know that we have competed alongside each other and we have pretty much lived in different parts of the country. You know, we're in Texas and, you know, Florida, North Carolina, and just for us to have uh, this real conversation, you know, just, you know, trying to share some of our stories and some of, you know, our, our path to somebody and some generation that may be coming up. And I hope this program, as I said, in some way that someone might watch it in some ways, um, 
we pray and we hope that you know if it's one thing that you learn or one thing that we said you know and um you know the goal in life is to always share you know so just as we share you know you know just anyone can share a positive message that's what life is all about and uh you know michael black could have demonstrated for jamaica for his family and friends and you know all the community um from being a fisherman to olympian we're going to close with that that he was um a wonderful kind athlete and um you know i don't think you have ever found another athlete that you know was you know changed path and been so successful so i pray man keep up the good work and um you know we look forward for great things again you're going to continue to you know demonstrate yourself now as a as a father and a um a husband you know and your the successful career just to continue to give back and to share the knowledge and you know just continue to to inspire your family so best wishes man to you and your family god bless you until another time man you know we will wish you all the best uh mr michael blackford Thank you and God bless and thank you for having me guys. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you.